Hello and welcome back to the In Around Podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Will Hunt, and joining me this week, like every week, is Big Dave Energy, Mr. David Harris. Hi, Will. <laughs> and to his left, um, standing in for Mike this week, is uh, Pod Ross, Mr. Ross Third. Hi, Will. Thanks for that again. Um, as, as for, ladies and gentlemen, where Mike is, uh, we were texting, um, getting the podcast set up yesterday. And um, then the North London derby started and Joe's Mourinho had set up his Tottenham in a low block. <laughs> and Mike got so angry that his head exploded and it just looked like someone had dropped a can of Dolmio. So he wasn't able to make it today. Um, <laughs> in, in reality, he's got, um, he's got a slightly dodgy disease. He's got to, got to keep under wraps. But anyway, we're here to take <laughs> you through everything in the North London derby. Um it seems that every time we get Ross on, they've um, Arsenal have just won a London derby. Um, but I think this one was possibly an even more impressive win. Um, so Arsenal won 2-1, um, overcame Eric Lamella's wonder goal to, um, I think, comprehensively beat Spurs is the right way. Anyway, um, Dave, what did you make of it just as the headlines really what did you make of the game exciting interesting yeah i'd say it was pretty good uh also for arsenal dominated mm-hmm. uh, but yeah it was a decent enough game i thought it was decent like pace behind it it wasn't really a game where everyone just sat back they actually were trying to <laughs> half of them sat back there <laughs> <laughs> comes mine <laughs> um, Ross obviously you've got a vested interest in the game um, yeah. what did you make of it though as a contest because we've talked a lot on the pod about um, games perhaps sort of drifting big games. what did you think of it as an encounter yeah I thought um, well similarly to the first game we played against Spurs they uh, sat back um, looking to hit us on the counter but obviously Son went off early yeah and um Eric Lamella came on. Um, <laughs> I mean, and Bale wasn't on it, so yeah. they, they really didn't create anything. Even their goal, it was their only shot in the first half, just completely out of nothing. Yeah. Um, obviously, a brilliant goal from uh, a terrible player. Um, <laughs> I mean, I, I thought we, as Dave said, comprehensively the better side. Mm-hmm. Looked look pretty good. I created a lot of pretty good chances really but still it took a deflected goal mm-hmm. to even take True. it at 1-1 so True. I, I don't know about you because it, it, I, I think yeah, we're all chatting as, as we often do in um, our group chats about about the match as it was going on um, I, it was one of, it was Arsenal are very Brighton in the sense that they they quite often will play very well but either not create anything or not take anything. And throughout the first half, I lost track of how many times he hit the woodwork. Um, and it felt, it just felt like, it, it, I don't know, I don't know how you felt, Dave, but it felt very much like Arsenal were really going to struggle to find the bait, find the breakthrough that their play deserved. Yeah, especially when Cedric's hit the post, which I think was after Smith-Rose. I was like, it's just yeah. not a definite goal, is it? Mm. He hit the post twice, and I'm pretty sure that was in the first like, half an hour. Yeah, uh, Smith Rowe hit the bar with a great strike, and then Cedric did a Cedric rattled on it. The first. I yeah, got that. Let alone got that much of a strike on it. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, but I suppose talking of the deflected goal, which was Odegaard, um, suppose it wasn't a surprise, Ross, that it came after great work on the left because I felt poor Matt Doherty was was on an island yeah. for the game because Bale, as you said, Bale wasn't on it, but. Was it Smith Rowe and Tierney quite a nice pairing there? I mean, is the left side the best side for Arsenal? You reckon? Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, Tierney seems to cause anyone problems that he comes up against. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and I think a lot of Arsenal fans feel that Smith Rowe has been sort of pushed out there on the left mm-hmm. with uh, Odegaard playing in the middle, but they they do float around a lot. And I think Smith Rowe is still pretty effective. He oh, certainly yeah, was yesterday. Good combination play. Yeah, I thought he was. Yeah. I think Arsenal fans voted him out of the match, but yeah, I thought um, he had a really good, good game. It depends. So sometimes Saka's over there. So if you have got Saka and Tierney yeah. down the same wing, 
as you say, Matt Doherty was having a pretty torrid time out there. Yeah, because um, I think I think Smith Rowe created I think four chances, but it's it's interesting because I think you watch Arsenal earlier on in the season, and they you watch them and it was pretty easy to diagnose the problems that having a Bamiyang out left was causing. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it, it is weird that they haven't replaced it because Smith Rowe is a number ten; he's not a winger. But yeah, does he? How what I'm sort of getting at is how does he how is he so good out there? What does he do that perhaps Abamyang wasn't doing? Well, the thing with Abamyang out there, you know what he wants to do every time. Yeah. And yeah. granted he's he's pretty good at it. He cuts inside and uh wants to sort of finesse one on that right foot. But uh mm. I'll say Smith Rowe's more confident on both feet. Um yeah. and he's certainly a better passer and creator of chances which is you don't really get any of that with Aubameyang out there he's purely a a goal scorer isn't he but um and more work rate as well Aubameyang's improved a lot in that but um you get a bit more running out there from from Smith Rowe as well I suppose there's something to be said for having yeah because Aubameyang wasn't signed for his play on the wing he was signed for the goals he scored but um obviously didn't didn't play and we'll come on to that in a bit but Dave you want you before the game were really calling for Lacazette. Why did you think that this game was something that Lacazette could really sort of get get in and around, stop <laughs> them and cause some problems? Um, yeah, I think Lacazette, to be honest, is I think. Well, I mean, I'd say big games as a whole, but I will be honest. I haven't watched every Arsenal big game, so I don't know how effective he is in all of them. For some reason in the North London derby, he, he's already got a pretty good record. I think. <laughs> Like three goals in five starts and two assists. So, for some reason, he just, he just loves this fixture. I think I would say uh, Tottenham has shown all season, despite what seemed a promising start, they do have some defensive fragilities. If you put yeah. a proper striker up there, when I say proper striker, Abamyang obviously is a great striker. Mm. Um, but he's not really like as much as a physical presence. Uh, I get what you mean. These Tottenham centre-backs really struggle against any sort of physical striker. So I just thought he was perfect. Also, Lacazette, how well he plays, I think his work rate's fantastic. Yeah, it is, yeah. Uh, but in a game like this, pressing uh, is always going to help. And obviously, if Smith-Rowe's maybe not as good in the press as he thinks Aubameyang is, you're making up for it because Lacazette's doing so much work up top. <laughs> so I, I think I think it's probably worth um, mentioning. So Lacazette obviously started from as we mentioned Smith Rowe, but you've got you've got Martin Odegaard obviously on January signing on loan from Madrid. Opened his Premier League account here, didn't he, Dave? <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, but it was a it was a nice move, although the goal was deflected. He got himself in a nice position, exactly where you want um, a centre attacking midfielder. To, be. I know last time you were on Ross we were worried a lot about the fact that for all the domin- the, all, all the way that Arteta's team seemed to dominate the ball they weren't really creating anything since Odegaard has come in and started to get this run of pitches, have you seen any is it got better on that front for Arsenal they're creating more yeah I definitely say that's the case I mean ever since when I was last done it was Smith Rowe played against Chelsea didn't he that was his mm-hmm. first first game yeah don't and remind me he, he brought thought I'd get that in there. Uh, he brought some kind of change with the sort of chance creation. He did, yeah. Both in there. Um, with Saka as well, also a great creator of chances. Um, one of the leaders amongst teenagers in Europe, I think. So Yeah, he is. Um, with those three, uh, and if you've got uh, Lacazette or Aubameyang, both pretty good finishers. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah, with those three, I think, yeah, Odegaard's just added to what we got initially from Smith Rowe. They're mm-hmm. both in the team. Um, I think you could, there's a lot of, well, there's some early similarities with his passing and chance creation, I would say. But, um, yeah. Um, he, yeah. He, he certainly, I think, I've, I must admit, I haven't, I haven't watched every minute he's played for us, but when I've seen him, he has sometimes he does that he does that thing that really good players do where they just they just they know the right they know exactly the right moment to quicken it they know and you saw it yesterday a few times where there were a few of them even even Saka who I think is wonderful 
um, he was guilty of one too many touches. Granite Jack, as we know, loves one too many touches. Sometimes <laughs> you need someone like Odegaard who just moves it slightly, slightly quicker. So no, it was, it was really impressive from him. You mentioned some Arsenal fans are a bit annoyed that perhaps Smith Rowe, who is obviously from the academy, has been shunted out wide to accommodate Odegaard, who is obviously a loan signing in the middle. Um, yeah. How do you feel about it? Um, well, I've got. Well, you can look at it from two sides. I mean, I would say Odegaard's a better player um, at the moment. I would say mm. that's the case. Uh, but you've got to think of it from the point of view that I think it's unlikely we, we could sign Odegaard permanently. I think yeah. it's extremely unlikely um, that we'd have the money to do that. Um, I mean, and Smith Rowe's hopefully going to be with us long term. So is it beneficial to have him playing out there? when Odegaard's probably going to be gone in a few months. Um, but I think they work, it works with Odegaard, Odegaard in the middle and Smith-Rowe out left. I think mm-hmm. they're pretty fl- fluid yeah. uh, behind the strikers. So I don't, I, personally, I don't mind it. Um, mm. But there's certainly two sides to it. Yeah. Dave, I mean, Dave, I, I don't know about you. It strikes, it strikes me that Ar- Arsenal's big chance for anything this season seems to be in the Europa League. Um, yeah. Whereas it, I know, I know, I know. Thinking back to when, thinking back a few seasons now, when Chelsea had um, blown their title defence and had got hitting back, I, I, I kept thinking this is the time where you get in players like it was Rube and Loftus Cheek at the time. You get them in, you see what they're made of. You give them a, a real long run in the team. So to me, it seems slightly odd that you've got this guy who's come in and played so well and is sort of shifted out left. Am, am I being a bit overblown? What do you think? Um... Yeah, like Ross says, there's two sides to it. I can get frustrations um, from Arsenal fans about that. But at the same time, I'd say there's a, a clear lack of creativity in the middle. Obviously, smith came in and started to do well. Mm-hmm. But like Ross says, Odegaard's a better player. Um, and ultimately, with a loan signing, they are sort of a stopgap. Like, as much as you'd want them to be around if they're a fantastic player, they're a stopgap. But I would say Odegaard makes them better when he plays through the middle. So I'd say take advantage of having Odegaard whilst you do. Mm-hmm. And also with Smith Rowe, yeah, he's done well in the middle. If he goes out wide and he plays well there too, sort of just adding like more strings to his bow, I would say like it makes him potentially more of a, a solid, versatile player going forward. So. I know even the next season or two, someone out wide gets injured. Better isn't worrying about who he can put out there because maybe Smith Rowe proves whenever he plays out there the rest of this season or, or whenever that he can do that too. Yeah. Um, it's a good point. But then also with Smith Rowe, uh, I get why Arsenal fans would be concerned because, for example, Mike Niles, who I think is a great player. It's never really been given like a proper position, let's be honest. No. There is that fear, I think, that obviously you're not going to play Smith for a, a full-back or centre-mid properly, I wouldn't have thought. But there is that fear that you start playing him everywhere and he never nails down like one position. Yeah, yeah, yeah I, I, think, think, I think that adds to it, really, why, why Arsenal fans mm. are concerned. I think that's more a problem with, with, as you say, with defenders, though, I think, or more defensive mm. players. Like... Loads of the top attackers can play all across the front, or like Rashford can play out off the wing or through the middle. Like, I don't see it as too much of a problem, really. No. Uh, and at the end of the day, I think the simple thing to say is that we're better with Odegaard mm. in the team mm-hmm. and Smith Rowe in the team. So, um, interesting. And I mean, if you look at whether we'll have him next year, we have had Sabayos sadly for two years on loan. So. <laughs> Maybe we could get him again on loan. I don't know, but uh, <laughs> right, he's terrible, lads. I just got to get that in there. Well, yeah, he is. Yeah, he's a shocking player. He's he's, um, he's certainly interesting. But I think I think it's worth worth pointing out the um, the two in the middle this game, Partey and uh, Jacker. So obviously we know Jacker. He's much maligned. It, I, I personally don't know what to think of him. Um, he's sl- slightly heavier, Jorginho, is what I, I think of him in my head. Um, Ross is rather angry. Um, but, but with Party, 
next to him. They seem to have, given that, given that as we mentioned, Trans creation is so prolific in that three just in front of the Odegaard, Saka, Smith Road trio. The the blend of pro- ball progression and steel in that two really worked in this game, Ross. Is was it just in this game, or is that a partnership we started to see develop over the last couple of weeks? Yeah, it's definitely a partnership that uh, we've seen developing. Uh, the main problem, if you've got, I mean, it's been Sabios and Xhaka. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> uh, the, Partey is a lot more mobile, I would say. Yeah. Uh, he, he's so good at breaking up the play in front of the back four. He he never looks like he's he's so calm all the time. He just moves it, knows exactly where to put it. Um. But can really drive it forward as well, which yeah. Shaka's so slow. I think Sabas probably feels like he can do that, but he, he just he just can't. Uh, Absolutely woeful. Yeah, he's he's. I think if he can stay fit, I think he's exactly what we need in there. Because yeah. he yeah he defensively really quite good, and uh, yeah he can move the ball forward well as well. Um, yeah. Dave, what do you think of that? Those two there. Yeah, I I think they look really good together. Um, I also think it's increasingly important for Arsenal to have that um, because if you're going to make the best use of someone like Tierney, you need to have cover for when he's going up. And I think... Bellerin's not shy when he plays, is he? My guy. Perfect (laughs) Bellerin. I think they're showing that they can sort of add that defensive cover which allows Tierney to go forward. I think Tierney's fantastic going forward. Yeah, he is. He really is. Let him go there as much as he wants. Um, but I think probably for Arsenal fans, it's it's nice to feel like there could be signs of stability in the middle because getting two players to play there properly and consistently feels like it's... You know, yeah, I mean... Years, really. Yeah, Jacques has obviously been a bit of a stalwart in there the last few years. Yeah. But <laughs> been a... I think... A mismatch of partners alongside. Okay, he, I think he does some things sort of, um, really well, but I mean, he's always got a horror moment. In he it. does, um, and he, he obviously tackles like yellow cards aren't a thing or fouls um, aren't a thing. But. Jack is just Jack, from my point of view, is I feel I feel I feel I feel similar with him as I do with Jorginho in that yeah I, I, mm. they're deep they're deeply flawed players but what they do they do they do okay to good and in the right system you can probably challenge for a European place with them consistently it's just when you think about when you think about oh, I've done that like I was on repeat then oh, yes. um, you think about Arsenal in the past and what they've what they've they've done and what they've challenged. It's just seeing Xhaka in the midfield. Just it just doesn't feel right because you think of some of the great partnerships they've had down the years of Vieira, Petit. You want to go back. You want to come a bit further forward. You've got Song and Fabregas, for example. Uh, like, even like yeah, and flawed but still pretty good. Um, that I just I can't I can't get on board with Xhaka. I I don't. I obviously he's had he's had. He's made a lot of mistakes, hasn't he? Let's be honest. But I, I think, I think he covers defensively quite well. He's he often drops back well uh, to help out the centre backs. I think a lot of it's just his lack of mobility and then poor first touch or whatever, and he ends up flying into a tackle. Mm. Uh, but I think it, it's just having a good partner next to him. Yeah. And you think about the people who've played alongside him in there. Like, I think you could argue there's never been anyone consistently who's like a solid first choice partner for him in there mm. um certainly no one who's anywhere near the quality of Parse. um I, I i'm happy with him in there alongside party at the moment i think that's it's working quite well um and i think he is a leader and we don't have that many of those because when if don't forget whenever he was there that strange vote for the captain thing. The players did vote for Xhaka to be the captain. Leadership so council. Obviously, yeah, I do, I, it's silly, but <laughs> the players obviously respect him. Hmm. Um, so, yeah. I mean, yeah, there was a time when I thought he was the worst player in the Premier League, but um, <laughs> I've come round on him to be fair. Yeah. Yeah. 
Well, I mean, there's something about um, slow, deep-line playmakers because Jorginho's well, that vice-captain. I've got to say, I think he's a lot better than Jorginho, <laughs> to be honest. Um, I think they're both bad. Um, <laughs> it, uh, let's continue our, um, our little run through the team because it's probably a good time to talk about Arsenal's defence. So, obviously, Bellerin out for this game, but Cedric came in. Yeah. Um, Cedric's a weird one, isn't he? Because he was a weird one when Arsenal signed him because didn't they get him in the last six months of his deal or something on loan and then he never actually played and then all of a sudden he's, you're looking at him, he's got a three-year contract. You're like, oh, what, how? What's going on? But I, what did you think of him in this game, Dave? Just in general. Yeah, I thought he's pretty solid, to be honest. I mean, Cedric as a whole, like you say, when Arsenal signed him, I was a bit like, I'm not sure if he's that good playing at Southampton, he, he got um, like lost his place in the team. I think he's just one of those players that I feel like whenever he comes into this Arsenal team, he just like does a job. Like he's pretty solid, like he's not spectacular. But I thought he saying that, I thought he did well against Son in this game. Um didn't really let him have I mean not not that Tottenham were massively looking to get down any sort of yeah. win, but Anything that was thrown at him, I thought he dealt with really well. And going forward, like I say, said before, um, he was unlucky when he hit the post. Mm-hmm. Great goal if it had gone in, to be honest. Well, I think um, as far as backup right-backs go, as you say, but, when he comes in, he's played left-back too, to reasonable effect. I mean, I would say I'm pretty happy with him as a backup. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, I think he's... I don't want to say as good as they come as a backup for a right back, but I think he's pretty good in there. As you say, he certainly played well in this game. No Kyle Walker though. Um, so let's look at the let's look at the pairing, the centre back pairing, because we've given Tierney enough flowers already. Um, so obviously Gabriel, who as we last time you were on the podcast, we talked a little bit about the fact that we'd seen him in these various big games, particularly against United, where He'd been pretty aggressive. I thought he was really good yesterday. Is he shown enough that you're like you're pretty confident in him being a major like linchpin of that back line for I don't know five years because I'm never ten years anymore in football. Is it say five years for example? Yeah, I, I mean he was excellent when we first at the start of the season. I think he went our player of the month two or three times straight off. Um, I'm certainly. I think he had a really good partnership with Holding. Holding's obviously been struggling with injury the last few games. But, and uh, um, yeah, I think Gabriel's been really good. I mean, we've obviously struggled mightily back there. Um, <laughs> I mean, I, I, to be honest, I think our centre-backs on the whole have been pretty good this season. Um, yeah, I think Gabriel's certainly good enough to be a part of this team going forward. And he's... Young enough that you can go forward with our like young attacking uh, call. With a call, yeah. mm. I mean, thinking because obviously Arsenal's Arsenal's aim pretty soon has to be to try and get back and try and get back in the top four. Yeah. Does Gabriel and Holding? Do you think that's a, a partnership worthy of getting you into the top four? Because we look at, we look at it around the league. We've got. I mean, we've got obviously Diaz and Stones with Laporte sat on the bench. It's an embarrassment of riches. But when Liverpool are back, you've got. Gomez and Van Dijk. Chelsea seem to be all of a sudden have turned their centre backs into competent players again, which is a miracle. Um, and then you've got obviously Johnny Evans and Fafana, for example. Example. Do you think that that's a good enough centre back pairing holding Gabriel, or do you? Would, is that an area you'd like to see Arsenal strengthen? Um. Uh, it's a good question. Uh, probably if you're looking at, compared to the other top four pairings. It's probably not just with the two of them. Probably not good enough because you're looking at Pablo Mari or, I mean, I think Louise has been pretty good this season Great when player. he's played. But uh, I think you you need. I think you'd need to add someone else maybe in there. Uh, but holding in Gabriel, yeah, I mean Gabriel being a left footer as well. Um, the weight in gold, aren't they? Yeah, yeah, maybe. I'd like to see what they could do with regards to a top four push, but yeah, maybe mm. we need a bit of strengthening back there. But mm. interesting. Um, I think the love for Hector Bellerin, like 
He's more inter- he's more interested in saving trees than he is playing football. Um, <laughs> a bigger GQ model. Every, literally, every time I go on Twitter, I feel like if Hector Bellerin's trending, it's because he's taken some picture of him looking like a an 1840s um, conquistador or something. I don't know. Um, anyway. Great player. Great player. <laughs> he's, he's a player. Um, I'll get him on my next shirt. Might be. Uh, I think it's time for you to stop buying shirts. Um, <laughs> Dave, um, let's we'll come back to Arsenal and perhaps hopes for the future and the rest of the season in a bit. But I want to talk a bit about Spurs because we alluded to it earlier that um, Mike is, as everyone knows, furious at everything Jose Mourinho does. Um, I believe he's still angry that he won the Champions League with Porto. Um, <laughs> that being said, for all of Arsenal's great play in this one, they came into this 10th, I believe. Um, and yeah, Jose, gave, Jose gave them the full treatment as if they were um, Pep's Barca's really deep, looked mm-hmm. to close off space. Did you think it was an odd um, way to approach the game? Yeah, I, I thought it was really strange. I mean, obviously Arsenal-Tottenham, it's, it's still a huge game for each team, regardless of how well they're doing or the other team is doing. Yeah. Um, but, like, yeah... Treat it with respect, but you, it's still a huge derby that matters. It's probably for your fans the biggest game of the season still when you play it. Um, like coming to the game and, and give yourselves a chance, I felt like he set them up, like you say, against as if they were playing almost Man City. I was like, like derbies as, as much as a, you know, no one wants to lose derbies, don't get me wrong, but they're also a game by. If, if you lose and you've given it a go, you get a lot more praise for that than if you were in like another big game, I always think. Because, mm-hmm. like, for example, Ross, if, if Arsenal had done what Tottenham did in this, I imagine you'd be pretty annoyed. But if they if Arsenal went at a team and lost 3 2 to Spurs, you'd be like, at least we gave it a go, sort of thing. Yes. Yeah. Spurs team just. I, I mean, wow, the goal was amazing, but in terms of actual play, they, they literally created no real chances yeah, in the entire why game. They gave Arsenal so much respect. Mm-hmm. Like, that, I thought it was a. I mean, obviously, it worked for them when we played them earlier in the season. Yeah, that was what I was Because we say. really dominated the ball and created a reasonable amount going forward. And they just, as soon as they got on the counter, we just couldn't do anything at all. Yeah, but, I mean. Yeah. I mean, I, they. they didn't create any chance of no. I mean, yeah, that was a bit of a bit of a wonder goal they scored, and they hit the post with a, a free kick. So, yeah, I think it's more a thing with Spurs. Yeah, I know they did this earlier in the season. They were sort of a team that had a system that people hadn't really found out what to do do against. I feel this half of the season, everyone knows what to do against Spurs, um, and even then, their on form was just carried because Son and Kane. Mm. were in form at the same time and had unbelievable link-up play, you can't rely on that for an entire season. You've got to have some actual, you know, idea of a transition other than yeah. trying to pick up Son and Cade and hope that they will pick out each other at the end of that. And so, in all fairness, playing with, playing with Lamella instead of Son is yeah. a massive, I, massive downgrade. Did did want to mention that because, of the, like, Son, if you look at, the, like, Bale... Bale is is not the Gareth Bale we once expected. So as soon as Son got went off, a lot of the pace had gone off, and it, I think as you saw later on, it led to Harry Kane becoming really isolated. But just picking up on something you said, Dave, like it has gone under the radar a bit how much Son's form has tailed off. I know certainly yeah. since, since he, I think since he's last scored the goal, um, I've lost my um, my leading place in fantasy draft, and now you know they're potentially finishing bottom half of the table. I think probably will. Um, but they're not. They haven't had that at the start of the season. They were overperforming their xG by ridiculous yeah. numbers. And even if you don't like that stat, like look at the goals in the reverse fixture. Like Sons was an absolute wonder goal that he could hit as many times. He's not going to score that again. Um, so it's not really a surprise that we we've watched them struggle a bit more in terms of that individual quality that wins games. Th- that being said. Um, Mourinho prides himself on being 
such a reactive manager, Dave. Like, even at Chelsea, like, I remember poor Joe Cole being subbed off after 20 minutes against Fulham, but it was going wrong. It was so evident that Matt Doherty was on an island and was being overlaid yeah. repeatedly. Were you surprised that he just sort of, he just let let it carry on? Yeah, I mean, obviously, someone went off. Yeah, obviously, the man scored the goal, so at face value, it's a good substitution. I mean, he ends up getting sent off, but ultimately, he scores Tottenham's goal. So, you know, they always made a good substitution. One thing I feel with Tottenham is since Ericsson left, they've, they've had a problem with someone in the middle. Yeah. Yeah. But Lucas Moura there is not a solution. However, if Son's out of the game, Lucas Moura, one thing that guy will do is run and run and run. And you know that he'll give Doherty some sort of cover. He'll do he'll do something. Well, and yeah, putting the Mella there, just if I was Yeah, Daddy Ali, I feel you have to put Ali in the middle. Like he just offers more and he's natural there. Lucas Moore is no physical presence. I just don't know what doing with that position behind Kane. Well, uh, the, the one time they, I was a bit worried was Lucas Moore had a great run through the middle. Um, so he really drove at the, the back four, straight through the, the midfield. But, I mean, yeah, you're right. He, he doesn't. He's not going to create too much for you through through the middle there. Mm. Um it was interesting that did did Mora start this one or did he come on later? He on? did. Start uh, he this started. One. He started. Yeah, but started he started in the turn. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, it's it was it was interest. It was really interesting. Like uh, when people were like people before the game were like Mourinho's going to have a go at them. I thought, well, you've 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 not seen when Jose Mourinho will go and have a go at a team when he thinks he like, in big games when Mourinho thinks he has an advantage, he'll actually have a go at you. Like he will really go at you and. I think, I think, sort of like over the years now, we've seen him have a go less and less and less and focus. And be, he's always been a pragmatic. Let's nullify our weaknesses um, rather than let's go and play our brand of football. But the last couple of years, he's really sort of regressed. And the fact that the fact that have had so much success recently with Son, Mora, Bale, and Kane, almost as a not an orthodox four-two-four, but something that's really attacking that absolutely batters the lower league side. It's been interesting because I think Spurs haven't beaten a um, Spurs other than Leeds. Spurs haven't beaten a top side team for since the return fixture at Arsenal. I think something ridiculous like that. So um, a lot of problems now. Dave, Mike wanted you to bring up something, didn't he? Yeah, uh, Mike, in his absence, really wanted to bring up the Moose of Sissoko for Gareth Bale, sir. Um, Try to see if I can find exactly what you said. Yeah, it's, it is a bit of <laughs> a baffling one, to be honest. I mean, especially when Lucas Mora stays on the pitch the whole time. Surely, uh, if you hadn't done it already, you shift Lucas Mora out wide and bring on Ali in the middle. Yeah. Okay. Wow, it was it was strange. You sort of needed more creativity, and Musa Soko's just—he's just not really going to do that, is he? He didn't even really stop the onslaught down the right, didn't it? Um, Ross, we've talked about Matt Doherty quite a bit on this episode, but we've not really addressed him in particular. Obviously, when he was signed from Wolves, there was all this. Everyone thought, "Bloody George Mendes getting him to a nice club with his." Other Klein, oh, it's all looking good. But Matt Doherty's been really poor this season. What, what have you made of him of the few times you've seen him? Yeah, I think he has been uh, poor. Um, but I think a lot of it comes down to he just he can't play as a right back in a mm. back four. He, he just he can't do it. Mm. Obviously, Wolves play with the three. Um, with like a set two as well. It was all, well, at least... Cody and Bolly were always there. Yeah. Um, and he was obviously, I mean, a goal scorer really from right back as as they go. A yeah, real like yeah. offensive player. Not since Zach Costa was in the league. Have we seen that? I mean, <laughs> I mean, yeah. If you in a if Jose's just going to sit back and defend and then counter, 
and you're playing a back four. I mean, I was one of those earlier on at the start of the season. You said how oh, they got him for that cheap, but yeah. he, just, he just doesn't fit at all. No. He really doesn't. Um, I mean, I guess if you look at the alternatives, what they've got: Aurier. Uh, is Tankanga a right back, or does he play on the left? Uh, uh, he, he can he can play pretty much anywhere. I, I mean, know. I was sad. I don't think they have any great options out there. But no. you know, Doherty just as a defend defender in a back four just does not fit at all. No, 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 no. It's all it's all going wrong. So, um, I suppose we should probably touch on the three big instances. Firstly, Lamella's goal. Um, who wants to talk about Lamella's goal? Because have you ever seen a more one-footed player, Dave? I'm not sure I have. It's like when Ross said earlier at the start, a great goal from a bad player. This guy, I... I, how is he still at Spurs? I, I I just I don't get it. He's been there since Bale left, and he's never been good at all. No. Oh, dear. It's more. Yeah, like sometimes I wouldn't trust him to make like a ten-yard pass, but no, I, it, I would never trust him to make a ten-yard pass. he's done it before. But I thought I thought the finish as a whole, even that angle the players in front of him, was wild. Let alone to oh, do yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, one of the, yeah, in terms of like a pure finish, one of the best finishes I've seen in a long time, I would say. Yeah, and I'm sure it'll be one of the goal, top goal of the season contenders. But it does come down to being completely useless on the other foot. <laughs> using <reverse, doesn't laughs> yeah, it? great. Yeah. It's, he's just, he's just maybe one of the most one-footed players I've ever seen. Because um, it was a weird one, because uh, you first see it and you're like, wow. And then at half-time, they were going on about how it's, it's, it's one of the best goals maybe in Premier League history, and no I've seen way. it already. And no I'm just way. sat here thinking, like, what are we doing? Because it's cracking finish, don't get me wrong, but I just, I think it was just, I don't know what it is about Rubonas. I just think, I, I was like, it was kind of like, you know when you watch a film, and the first one, so good, and the first one being his one in the Europa League, and you see the second one in the sequel, you're like, oh, I've seen this before. It's because it was on the floor. Like, his first one, at least, yeah. had some lift. It was a bit... Yeah. 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 I guess we're just spoiled. Um, other incidents. I guess this is the one that made Jermaine Genus in, in practically tears on national television, which, as you know, I love to see, because Jermaine Genus um, loves calling players by their first names on comedy. <laughs> Really is really is good and entertaining, um, but he didn't think that um, it was a penalty. In fact, accusing someone on Twitter that they didn't know football, Dave. Um, what did you think? Pen on Lacazette? I thought it was definitely a penalty. Um, regardless of what you think of Lacazette, like making a total mess of the shot, Sanchez is putting a challenge in where he's getting nowhere near the ball, and the only thing he's doing in that challenge is cleaning out Lacazette. Even if Lacazette has a clean contact on that and Lloris saves it, it's a it's a stonewall pen. I think people are just questioning it because Lacazette probably wasn't getting to the ball after his air kick. Yeah. Um, I don't know about air kick. I think he did. He did connect. Well, it was. Yeah, you know what I mean. <laughs> yeah, it was. It was a stonewall penalty. Yeah. I, d- I don't understand why him missing it makes it less of a penalty. It's it's such a reckless. Mm-hmm. Challenge, like he's off the ground. Uh, yeah, uh, I agree with Dave. Yeah. I think he's a stonewaller. We we were talking we were talking before we start recording, Ross. Though, because I, I personally think it's a pen. Um, however, I think it would have been interesting if he'd if he'd got a shot off and hadn't scored. Mm. Like, are they giving that as a penalty? Because I f- I don't know about the rest of you, but I feel like pretty much you can do whatever you want to a striker if you're a defender after if they've got the shot off. You could like get out a hatchet and hit him in the face with it, and Anthony Taylor's going to be like, "Oh, it looks perfectly clean to me." Are we sending this one upstairs. To be fair, I think Davison Sanchez could still miss with a hatchet, but um, <laughs> uh, you're right. Often, if the player gets a shot off, and you do clatter them late. It doesn't seem to matter, but I think in this case, it was such a reckless tackle that I think it it would have been a red anyway. Oh, not a red, sorry, a penalty anyway. Couple of other incidents. I like Harry Kane. He was pretty quiet throughout this game. He clattered um, Gabriel's yeah. shoulder barge, which I, I seems to have missed a lot of the post-match coverage, but yeah. I know a lot of Arsenal fans are quite annoyed by it. But, I mean, Harry Kane is 
wonderful player, but I don't know about you, Dave. I just think a bit of a mean streak, hasn't he? Yeah, he does. I mean, it wasn't it wasn't the same, but I really don't like how he basically jumps into players when they're off the ground. I think that's interesting. Um, yeah, I I thought it was a bit almost out of frustration from him, really. Um, but like you said, that's not something he should be doing. Regardless, you, you can you see if you, when you're watching it, like he he knows he's missing the ball. He's looking right yeah. at the player. He just flies in. Yeah. yeah, I mean, obviously he barely touched the ball, but um, yeah, it was a poor challenge. Um, and I guess the last one is um, Eric Lamella. Um, what did you make of the sendings off? Because obviously second bookable offence. Uh, I know, I know there was a feeling amongst some Tottenham fans, including uh, just tears streaming down the face of Jermaine James. Um, just uh, what did you kind of make of it? Do you I... think it was a sending off? Fair yeah. enough. I, I thought I thought it's just so stupid of him for that second yellow. I don't really know what he's doing throwing his arm around like that, especially that close to the ref. The ref's right next to him. Um, I think if you watch it back, Lamella sort of looks at the player before he does it. I'm like, yeah. there's not really any. You know, sometimes you see those and the player turns and he he throws his arm around and he has no actually no idea the guy's there. The Lamella's already looked at him. He, he's there and he still still does it I think yeah I and, think a deserved second yellow really and he was already booked and he, he was he'd thrown in a couple of tackles before already on a yellow so uh, yeah I think certainly a red for me as well yes. I, I will add if, if Lamella put more force into it the second yellow is probably a red card by itself if he put more force into it yeah because to me I was like I, I, was, I was like is that, is that not a straight? Yeah. I think you've seen them for similar things in the past. But... Yeah, I, I don't know. It's pretty odd. Pretty odd. Um, Dave, your stat of the week. Yeah. Is it Tottenham Spurs related? It, it is. It is or Tottenham. Arsenal related? Tottenham Arsenal. All right, go on then. Get it out of the way. I haven't okay. got Mike's introduction, but I'll, I'll do my best Mike impression if you want. Yeah, got to get really worked up about Jose first. Um, <laughs> I can't wait for this to not even be funny. No, it's just another accent. Dave, you'd stay out of the way. Just that one. Yeah, that was quite good. Yeah, that was pretty good. Thank you. Go so, on, then. Yeah, the Premier League stat. Arsene Wenger got 476 wins in the Premier League. Love this one. Tottenham are still on 475. Love that stat. Sit it fly around. Interestingly enough, there, um, if you want to see another stat, there's a great stat on Arsenal's um, Twitter account about Smith Rowe, which is like maybe the most oddly specific stat I've ever seen. Like, it's, like, it's it's something like he's created four. He's the first. Um, he's the first teenager to create four chances in a North London derby since two thousand seven. Yes. And I was like, look at him. What, yeah, kind of, what kind of data set is yeah, that? Yeah, yeah, I, I did see that actually. I, I saw yeah. that tweet. As clubs. <laughs> club social media um, continue to scrape <laughs> the bottom of the barrel to try and get did you hear uh, Martin Tyler on comps he was putting every stat about all the historical derby results from when yeah. Tottenham had been winning and yeah. like, he was just throwing one out after another I was like what is going on do you, do you lose like, Martin Tyler he's, he's, he's dusted but, uh, but clearly someone had told him not to call them um, uh, yeah, De Bruyne. That being said, <laughs> talking about Martin Tyler brings us into um, Wazic of the Week this week is a toss-up and we'll be putting out a poll on Twitter to see if we can get the right person for it. But lads, the candidates are Martin Tyler for his total non-reaction to Lamella's goal. Yes! <laughs> Oh my god! It's trundled into the corner. I couldn't believe it. He's like, he's like, he's got this sort of like, he's like, Lamella just like, it was almost like Lamella was a dog who'd run off, and he's like, Lamella, like, oh, he's gone. Oh, he's holding that cat. Oh, it's completely non-event. Like you think of some of his his best, like Aguero. I swear you never see anything like it ever again. Iconic moments for iconic cult. For all our criticisms earlier, like not criticisms, we were underwhelmed. It was still a, still a wonderful goal, and it was just a total non-event. And then, of course, the second, JJ, Jermaine Genus. I look at the week to throw over in this way for being for being allowed to go on telly 
and just essentially cry. And um, <laughs> I, like, oh, here goes the, the podcast within a segment. So here we go. This is your recommended viewing of the week. Go and search Jermaine Genus, Chelsea 4 to Tottenham 2. And you can watch him tell Frank Lampard, serial winner, how to win football matches. Beautiful chef's kiss. It's my um, but Dave, your third choice. For yeah, Sheffield United board or chairman. That Yeah, they've got to be in there. They've got to be. They would be, but it's, it's Wazak, not Wazak's. But anyway. Um, eventually. Well. <laughs> let's, well, let's briefly talk about Chris Wilder now then. Um because it leads us perfectly into discussing Arteta and Mourinho. Um, what a baffling decision, Dave, surely? Yeah, I mean, obviously losing 22 from 28 isn't great. Mm-hmm. Um, I personally thought Sheffield United were going to do this last season. I thought there was no chance of them stepping up and Wilder made them finish ninth. It's more even, even if they're like, oh, this season's disappointing, whatever. I don't see any manager a better fit for them than Wilder to bring them back up. No. Surely you trust him to bring bring them up. Like, I think when he was in League One, he got 100 points. And then in the Championship, he took them straight up with, again, like a really high points tally. He's he's someone who's going to do, do well. He knows the club. He's literally, you know, started at Sheffield United as a player. He's basically a fan in charge of his club. That guy's going to give you everything. And I just can't believe that he was someone that basically took a lower table championship team to ninth in the Premier League. I just really can't believe it. Ridiculous, isn't it? Um, but I, I, obviously, managers are under more scrutiny than ever before. And we didn't really touch on it earlier. Um, Ross, like, last time you came on, obviously, Ars has been through like historically bad. And they'd had their turning moment, or at least it appeared to be a, a turning point against Chelsea. You've started. You've had a bit longer with Arteta now. How do you feel about him as a coach and what he's bringing to us? Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm pretty happy, uh, to be honest. Um, as you say, it hasn't been hasn't been a great uh, in the whole. Has been a great season. We had, oh yeah, as you say, that rough patch. I mean, to say the least, a rough patch. Historically terrible patch. Um, but I, I say on the whole, I've been pretty happy with the performances. He's managed to get rid of some of the deadwood in January that he'd been wanting to get rid of before. And I think we've got a style that I mean is is working to some extent. I mean, he's obviously asking them to play out the back when. Mm. Clearly, Leno and he's not that comfortable doing, it. and it's leading to mistakes. But he shored up the defence a lot from what it was what it was like before he came. Um, and I feel like we've maybe played better than being tenth in the league on the whole. Um, mm. And I'm glad they they stuck with him. Yeah, um, I, I would not have wanted to see another managerial change. No, um, and I think he. He clearly cares about the club, and he's trying to bring through a a mentality which you can never really work out with Emery what he was trying to do. But um, yeah, I'm pretty happy on the whole with him at the moment. Good, good. Um, realistically, in terms of the rest of the season, obviously, I mean, it's quite competitive up there. How high do you think you can go? Do you reckon? Where do you reckon? Where do you see yourselves finishing in the league? Um, well, we're still in tenth after winning at the weekend. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think we can push on and try and get a Europa League spot through through yeah. the league. I don't see any, but that's certainly what we should be aiming for. Yeah, I don't see any reason why we should should be able to do that if we can kick on after this. Um, but I think the most important thing is to try and push through in the Europa League itself. Yeah, um, to be honest, yeah, that's I'd... obviously the only way we're going to be getting Champions League football this this season. How do you how do you fancy your chances over there? Um. Well, we played well against Olympiacos, but again, it was a mistake caused by playing badly out the back. And th- those matter in European ties. If it's an away goal, um, they matter more. Um, mm. I mean, well, you've got Milan, United, mm. probably the two teams I'd 
be most concerned about playing. Yeah. But even still, I'd, I'd feel that we can get a result against anyone who's left in. Yeah. Certainly across a two-legged tie. Mm-hmm. That's um. I guess it's a much it's a much rosier picture than it was a couple of months ago, though. Um, do you think realistic, Dave? Seventh and maybe a good, really good run in the Europa League. Yeah, I, I agree with Ross. Like they absolutely have to be aiming to try and qualify for the Europa League through the league. Um, I think also it, they've got a, a chance of it. Like they're only five points off sixth, um, which is because Liverpool are currently winning, um, and they they played an extra game. If Arsenal can keep up a good run to the end of the season, I I think they could definitely, yeah. Seventh, I'm not sure about sixth, but I think I think basically I don't think Arsenal are going to get worse. I think they are moving in the right direction. That's a kiss of death. (laughs) (laughs) I think seventh is a ten inbound. (laughs) I'd be happy with seventh. I think. Uh, Yeah, I mean to be honest, I'm happy we're not going down after the start we had to the season. But uh, yeah, yeah. Um. No, but interesting times. Uh, we won't talk about Spurs and where we think they're going to finish because honestly, I couldn't tell you. They'll probably beat everyone who's under. Everyone 11th and lower, they'll probably beat, but everyone 10th and above, they're going to struggle against. Um, but it was interesting, really interesting. Uh, thanks for joining us, lads. Ross, if the people want to find you and um, find oh, out God. more about find out more about why you think Jorginho is better than Jacko, where can they do that? You see, I bet to look at my Twitter handle so I can tell you what it was. Um, I don't actually know it. But <laughs> okay. I haven't tweeted since like 2014, so I'm not sure you even want to be over there. Well, um, you could you could do the Henry Henry Hodgson and uh, give us the wrong Twitter account. It's Ross underscore Bird 14. There we go. Cheers. Cheers. Um, Dave, people want to follow you to find out more about um, why you've got big Dave energy. Where can they do that? Uh, at Dave Harris underscore 44. And if you want to follow Mikey Breslin, even though he's not here, to find out why he's actually fuming about Jose Mourinho, you can do so at Mikey Breslin. Um You can follow me at Wilhunt17, but please don't follow us at In and Around Pod on all these socials, including Bebo. Um, <laughs> uh, if you want to read more from us, you can do so um, by heading over to inandaroundmedia.com. Mike and Henry's um, betting article goes up on Friday, and the betting podcast also comes out on Friday. Obviously, no Henry last week, so I imagine that uh, the amount of missed bets were decreased by four. Um, <laughs> questions have to be asked about his suitability for the podcast. But um, hey, I think in, in Henry's defence, I think his uh, things were still put forward. Uh, Mike, obviously. Oh, just, were they? Yes. Actually, I, I can't really comment entirely for Mike, but when I spoke to Mike on at some point yesterday, it was going well for them both. So yeah, but we don't like that over this. <laughs> Not at all. Um, but yeah, thank you for joining us. Um, thanks for joining us, Ross, yourself. Um, until next time, what is it Mike likes to say? Sayonara? I don't know, mate, to be honest. Like Mourinho out. Yeah, but oh, I don't like, don't they? <laughs>